Welcome to KnowledgeCast. This is a look into the world of knowledge management, information management, data management, and everything in between. This is brought to you by Enterprise Knowledge. I'm Zach Wall, founder and CEO of EK. And today we're doing a KM Trends episode. So we've done these in the past around knowledge graphs, knowledge portals. Today we're talking about semantic layers. And joining me are three of my distinguished colleagues, Lulit, Joe, Ashley, welcome. Please each individually introduce yourself very briefly. Ashley, go first. So I am a principal consultant here at Enterprise Knowledge. I do a lot on the knowledge graph side, but also do a decent amount on the taxonomy, content, and you know, general search side of things as well. That sounds about right, given the topics we're going to be covering. Lulit? I'm a partner and VP of Knowledge and Data Services here at EK, specifically leading our semantic engineering practice alongside our KM and data uh, services. And I have been in, uh, working on semantic related projects since 2016, 2017 timeframe. So I'm excited to talk about where we are, where we've been, how far we've come today. And Mr. Helger. And I am another uh, co-founder of Enterprise Knowledge and someone who's been working, I guess, in, this, in the search space since 2004 and the semantic space right along with Elite since about 2016. So excited to talk about what's coming next. So for those of you that are new to this, every year I publish a blog in January or sometimes February if I'm late, <laughs> but I just published it this year about the knowledge management trends that we're seeing. And it's basically based on what our clients are telling us, what the roadmaps they have, what the budgets they have, the RFPs and RFIs that we're seeing put out on the street. We run surveys, we interview people in and outside of EK, we put all this together and we basically come up with this list. And a new add to the list this year is semantic layers. So let's start with a definition here, because my expectation is like this was for me not too long ago. This is a new term for many of our listeners. Luli, can you give us the two-minute dime store definition, please? Sure. So I think the first thing I would say is this is not new at all. Semantic layer has been around for a couple of decades. This is something that we've actually seen evolve throughout the years, especially the last five, six, seven years. So the definition of a semantic layer and has always been is that abstraction layers that allows organizations to contextualize their information and data, connect it regardless of where it's stored using metadata. So it is the first class citizen here is metadata. It is connecting metadata, contextualizing metadata using semantic solutions. So within the semantic solutions, we have a few components, not all of them are necessary, but taxonomies, ontologies, metadata, standardized metadata, business glossaries, as well as knowledge graphs where it's relevant. All of this is to provide a couple of things, context, connectivity, aggregation of information that's siloed across your different groups, departments, business units, as well as alignment and access, facilitating that at the end of the day to answer questions. So it came about as a result of, you know, the, the migration that we all went through the last decade into like a physical storage, data lake, data warehouse, 
the problem is information is still fragmented. It's like buying a lot of clothes, throwing it in a closet and not organizing it so you won't be able to find it. So that's essentially kind of like what was happening with, within the, the data lake, data warehouse, especially in, on the content, unstructured side of the world as well. So what a semantic layer allows you to do is shifting the focus from the data itself to the meaning of data and the description of data, which is metadata, and connecting data using metadata. That would be the quickest definition of that, but I would love to hear more from Ashley and Joe as well. I think we need to. Ashley, you want to chime in? Yeah, I mean, I think that oftentimes when you hear about semantic layers, like in the past, it's mostly been as a catch-all term when someone is talking about that really often complex and and hard to define middleware, right? Between all of the the data sources and the things that, you know, people are contributing to, and then the output, whether that's a UI or a search engine or a report or or something of that nature. And so, you know, I think it's really defining this in, in a more concrete way. And I do align it kind of with another trend uh, that's been around for a little bit of time, which is fair data, right? Like you want to make sure you can find stuff. You want to make sure that it's linkable and you can reuse it and and you can find what you're looking for and you can find it using the terminology that you are familiar with and making that as easy as possible. So I'm a graph person, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to do it with graph, but certainly the hub and spoke model that kind of happens with just a graph structure, no matter what kind of graph you go with, really facilitates this in a way that I think makes the most sense. <laughs> but that's because that's kind of what I do, right? Like I, I have plenty of other stuff I talk about, like that specific thing where like a good example is customer. Everyone has something called a customer, whether it's a user or a patron or, you know, whatever it might be. How do you define that? What kind of data goes along with that? How do you model all the different components when you get into like personal knowledge graph or like personalization in general, how do you make that thing called a user the center node of everything that you're doing? Well, probably defining that correctly and not just like with words, but in the data itself. Like how are you bringing in all of the different components to define customers so then you can do all the other cool stuff? So that's kind of where I see it going. Okay. Joe, anything to add? You know, for me, what's been exciting is we're we're leaving the world of here's a document and a document name, or here's a data file, and starting to think about things at a higher level. And I like, Ashley, your your customer example, right? So I might have 20 data files and, and 50 documents all about a customer. And we used to think about the data files themselves and the data elements. And it was hard to move it together into this is all about a customer and this is my picture. And now we have the tools that allow it. And it lets us move away from the old point-to-point integrations that people used to do, one-offs, to something that's mapped and really designed to scale with an organization and to add context. So, Joe, I think you're beginning to answer my next question, but I'll ask it. Luli, you said this isn't new. Ashley, you talked about trends and corollaries to this. Why are we talking about semantic layers now? Is this just the latest in a line of data fabric, data lake, data lake house, data riverboat? What's new about this? What's going on? So let me start and I'll I'll jump on the marketing train because this is what it is. 
I think what's driving this more than anything is Gen AI is having companies say there's other ways to look at information. So that's that may be what's kind of fueling the fire. I don't know that that's the actual reason to jump into it. I think there's other better reasons, but I'll tell you what, the people we talk to, they're asking for help are saying, I need to do Gen AI and I guess I have to do the semantic layer to make it happen. Well, it's not just to make it happen. It's oftentimes like, again, for better or for worse, and there's a whole podcast you probably could do on LLMs in general, but you know, they're hungry for data. You have to keep feeding the monster. And that means if you're using that at your organization, you probably need to figure out where all your data is and make sure you understand what it is and make sure that you can do gap analysis to make sure that you're not having hallucinations on really important stuff for your organization. The whole way to do that is like, you know, adding in semantics so that not only you can find and translate all that data correctly for the LLM, but the LLM figures out what your organization is all about. Like that's how it learns about your organization. So you get better results. Now, I'm hearing the word data a fair bit, and I want to make sure that we are are broadening this, especially given the fact that we are on knowledge cast. I think data cast is probably trademarked. As I understand it, a semantic layer is, as I would very technically call it, for all of an organization's stuff, all knowledge assets, content, structured and unstructured, people, products, customers, everything. Luli, you're nodding. Yes? Yeah, so I see two drivers for this and why we're talking about this. One, obviously, is Gen AI, not just in terms of like structured data, but also unstructured data, right? Understanding what this is the opportunity to bring it all together and say, how do I answer the customer question, what the revenue question, the credit, the business questions using AI and what semantic layer does in, in light of, you know, supporting AI is it brings that knowledge, that expertise, the context, the business context that's usually tacit within an organization and define what a customer is for a coffee company versus what a customer is for a financial institution. Those are two different things. And there's no way AI will understand that without that contextual information. So that's one aspect. That's perfect. And, and actually, that goes back to your example of Customer, I have a personal experience from early in EK's history where we got hired to build an enterprise taxonomy for an organization and spent, I think it was supposed to be a six-month project, we spent three months just getting them to try to agree on what a product was. And so I want to call out the fact that, you know, we, we talk about semantic layer and, oh, there's these different components and I want to get more into that, but this is a business challenge. I mean, the facilitative challenge the the challenge of aligning a complete business around what are the definitions is not a technical one. So how do these projects begin? How do you get this right? And how do you get everybody actually agreeing on these definitions? This, this feels like the thing that's going to shine the spotlight on disagreements in an organization rather than the thing that will just naturally align them. Well, there again is where, again, not saying knowledge graph is a solution to everything because that is not accurate. (laughs) However, one way to also use a knowledge graph is to map together. You don't have to pick one word that means everything. A knowledge graph in another sense, not the sense that we've talked about, like tying all your, you know, different data together and all your data assets and the multimodal piece of all of that, but it's 
uh, in the taxonomy realm, you can use a knowledge graph to say, okay, here's your pref label that we're going to define. And it's not even, it doesn't even have an actual pref label. It's just an ID. And then all the pref labels that everybody else uses across your organization map to that. Right. And, you know, there's some of that facilitation you have to do, like, is this the same thing? Is it not the same thing? All of that. But humans don't tend to call things the same things across the board. Right. So taxonomies exist to help with that. But if you are even doing linked data and mapping in other you know, taxonomies or reusing other taxonomies, you will often see, oh, that's a different term than what I would use for describing that thing. In fact, there's studies that I've done. 28% of taxonomies don't agree on the same word, even though they mean the same thing. So, I love that. <laughs> knowledge graph will help you with that. And that's where we're getting into, if we look at all the components of a semantic layer, yes, taxonomy is a part of it. Knowledge graph is part of it. Ontology is a part of it to basically explain those relationships. But then we also have business glossary as a part of it, which helps not just align on a single definition, but establish the multiple definitions and how they relate to each other. Am I getting that right, Luli? Yeah. And this is where I think, Ashley, to your point around, you know, a graph being one way to have this democratic way of connecting information that you have in different ways. A big part of this is also, I think, what we're seeing from trend perspective, why larger organizations are coming to us with a semantic layer ask is it's not only coming from the KM or the content side or the librarian side of the world, but it's also now coming from the data and analytics team, which means that there is that team is also seeing the value of having the knowledge aspect of the organization embedded within the structured data part of the organization. So to expand on that, Zach, I think it's important to call out the application of the old days of like taxonomies, metadata, business glossary used to be reserved for the content side of the world, the of the enterprise, the library nerds, the back then. My career. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> exactly. As I said, <laughs> but it is now for different reasons of getting analytics, the, the fact that, you know, 80% of the content that we deal with is unstructured and half of that is tacit. So the idea that is proliferating, I can't say it right now, into the enterprise uh, is that the unstructured side of the world is coming into the structured side of the world, which we've always said when we talk about content and data, the line is very much blurring. So what that means is that taxonomies, ontologies, knowledge graphs are now allowing that kind of connection and interoperability and alignment across the organization. I think that's a great point. I'd also like to let the record show that you just referred to the first half of my career as the olden days. So we'll have words it's later. It's back. No, like actually I'm saying like we're back. It's the cool kids again. We are the cool kids again. That's why I was saying it's not new. There's nothing new here. It's a new way of looking at it. I think it's also worth calling out, you know, this is what Gartner called the data fabric back in 2021, right? Data mesh, data fabric, architecture. It is really one and the same thing. It's defining these components in in different ways. The reason that I actually, so maybe this is semantics, but the reason I like this term is that it's actually, anytime you're in the data world, you're in the data world. And I think that by abstracting the, the term to what we're really talking about here, semantic layer, it really expresses the fact that 
this is everything. This is a, an organization's complete knowledge assets. And it's funny, Joe, when you and I decided what the name of the company should be, well, when I decided what the name of the company should be and you agreed, like we chose the term enterprise knowledge to express just that fact. And in a way, this is this is the thing, right? It's kind of cool. You know, and something that I think we've all talked about internally, but it's important to share on this podcast is this is a hot thing right now. So every product vendor on the market is lining up to say that they offer the semantic layer solution. And if you're listening to what we're talking about, this isn't just about a product. This is about understanding what a company and organization does, what what their customers are, et cetera. So I go back to your question, Zach, of what's the right way to do this project? The right way to do this is to actually use these nerds that we all are <laughs> to figure out what, what the things are in your organization and then build the proper solutions on the right products for doing this. The wrong way to do this is buy a product and go, yep, I'm halfway there. Let's just go put some data in here. And I, I think we're going to see that more and more as the industry turns of people buying the marketing hype and then going, what just happened to me? So Joe, I'm glad that you took things to the the product angle, but I also have a question about that. You just said product. And when I think about the suite of capabilities we're talking about here, we've talked about knowledge graph, we've talked about taxonomy and ontology management, we've talked about business glossary. I think, is there a single product that does all those things? Or are we talking about effectively lacing together different tools? So today, I would say there isn't a single product that does all those things, but we're watching vendors buy other vendors to round out their offerings. We're seeing catalog vendors start to add on to what they do today or say they do more. And we're seeing a lot of the vendors starting to try to say they can cover the whole space. And will they get there? Maybe. But are they there now? Really no. And Again, it's not about a single product. So today it is many, but I don't know that it will always stay many. This is this is something that people are ready to invest in. Well, it's a jack of all trade, master of none a little bit, right? It's like, okay, even if you have all those capabilities, are you really expert in every single one of them, right? Like there's so many projects I've been on where we're building this out and the ETL as one example, there's so many ETL tools out there. I have never once used any of them out of the box. <laughs> there is always some kind of special sauce, special this, special that, that you have to do for any organization. So if you're dealing with a, a product that says it does all of those things, are they willing to do all of that build out for you in your use case for that ETL? Or should you go with a dedicated ETL service that, I mean, that's, that is a decision to be made. There's not one right answer, but that would be the caution in the just going with something that does everything. Yeah, I, I think looking around the projects that we have at hand right now, I would say nine out of 10 times, a lot of organizations have fit for purpose systems in-house that have metadata management capabilities, would have like, you know, product, a PIM solution, product information management tool or a data catalog, or they have a content management system that has metadata management capabilities. Some of this, a lot of this actually is about architecting your existing solutions in a way that you can take advantage of these capabilities. Whereas that 10%, I would say is where 
the knowledge graph. If you have it in your use case and you need a graph database, that's where this comes into play or dedicated RDF compliance semantic solution that would allow you to encode standards in how you move data from your metadata to and from other solutions. So I would say the trend is that there are a lot of product companies, which is exciting to see that the product side focusing on this part of the world, which is great maturity and information overall knowledge, information management, but also at the same time, to Ashley's point, it's you can't be a jack of all trades or a product of all trades, right? So understanding what are the pieces that you have already in-house that should be architected or optimized versus what could you bring in to augment is important. So from the organizational perspective, this is a really important point, right? You don't have to go and say, okay, we're going to go buy and build the semantic layer this year. Most organizations likely already have a few pieces. And if they can look at it from where they're, they're trying to take it, if they're trying to achieve a semantic layer, it's adapting some of what they already have. It's procuring some other elements. These things can just like uh, the Legos that I uh, once again love as a dad and I loved as a child can snap together over the years, right? So how does an organization plan for a semantic layer? What are the building blocks they need to get there over time? I will start. So I think the most important question when getting started is defining what problems we're solving with, you know, a semantic layer. And when I say problems, I see this in kind of two tracks. One track is the business problem. You know, is it findability, discoverability of information? The use cases that we have range from finding an expert within the organization, Expert 360, project data, analytics, these types of like business questions, like who's my most profitable customer in 2024 or 2023, these types of very business metric heavy questions. So defining those. And then the second aspect of the track to this is the technical side, which is more data quality, data governance, content strategy, and content engineering aspect. What are your use cases when it comes to your readiness for AI, for instance, is one example, or the, the ability to standardize your information so that it could be plugged into different applications that you may not know of today. So it is the planning for these kind of two-track type of problems, the technical as well as the business that you're looking to solve. And then from there, small increments of small prototypes and proof of concept to show the process, the value very quickly. Search is a very good use case that we see a lot. Now with AI, these conversational chatbots, recommendation engines, content personalization is another big use case in this scenario that we see a lot looking at the projects that we have. And then the other big piece is the regulatory requirements with Fair Data Act, similar to the Open Government Act, the financial space, there's a lot of requirement to standardize and exchange data in a standard format. So that's another use case on it in its own. So like pretty much any complex technical effort or frankly, any complex effort at all, we don't want somebody saying, hey, we want AI. We're going to go build a semantic layer. It should be, we're going to go solve this problem. We're going to go address this need, right? And knowing what those are and prioritizing them is a big part of this. But 
dissecting that, assuming that those use cases have been defined and prioritized, I want to make sure that we're telling our listeners, what are the components of a semantic layer? What is this actually, if we were to pull it apart, what does it actually comprise? So let's start with metadata, obviously for categorization. So we need the metadata to describe what we have and and to start to allow us to put things in appropriate buckets. Then we need context in the form of information architecture and taxonomy, alignment through a business glossary, making sure we're using the same terms as Ashley shared, the actual information itself for us to access, which is that content or data, and then connectivity usually encompassed in an ontology or a knowledge graph. So those five things come together to build the semantic layer if done right. And Joe, you're noting one key thing here, right? This is the same thing as AI and Ashley early on, you mentioned the term hallucinations. I feel very firmly about this. Uh, Hallucination is a cute term for bad data, right? There were bad inputs. Sorry, what was that? Statistically speaking, they're false positives. Right. Well, yes, but they are largely based on the fact that there is bad content, bad data, bad inputs to the system. And so much of what we're talking about here, yes, it's about the right design. Yes, it's about the right technology, but it's also about having the right foundations, having the appropriate knowledge assets in place, correct, governed, such that the system can actually pull them together, act on them, provide outputs as a result. And so when we think in those terms, there's a big step that needs to happen before we can actually achieve the semantic layer. Can one of you kind of talk about how an organization, if they're not ready for a semantic layer, how can they get ready for it? How can they be ready for it next year or two years from now? What, the, what should they be doing now? Well, one common thing that I think a lot of folks discount is, and this is me talking as a knowledge ref person, <laughs> Is uh, economy, right? Seeing a theme. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that a lot of folks forget, especially on, on the tech side, if you're working with the tech side or you are the tech side, is all that unstructured stuff. How do you find it? How do you know what it is? How do you know what you're missing if there is nothing for you to find it by? And so there are many organizations that already have a full blown graph. They have the great ontology. They have all the data. They have all the good stuff. And then they have this giant pile of unstructured text and they're like, hmm, we should tag this so we can figure out what it is and what we don't have. And so, you know, kind of doing an assessment of like what that looks like for your organization is probably a good start because if you don't have a taxonomy or you have a taxonomy, but you don't know how to apply it to that stuff. And again, multimodal is like the new trend on LLMs. What about your images? What about your videos? What, like, there's all this other stuff that you probably don't have the kind of data on it to help you access it, understand what it is and, and what the quality is. So that's a good thing to start looking at. Knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and what you don't have. This is actually where I start getting really jazzed about this, Ashley. I'm glad you brought this up because as soon as we start connecting all of our stuff, we also have a better understanding of who's asking for what, who's using what. And it allows us to actually identify gaps in our knowledge, right? If people are asking questions that can't be answered, then that can prompt action. And it goes all the way back to, quote, Lily, old school KM, where we're then prioritizing tacit knowledge capture or new knowledge generation around those gaps in our knowledge. All of that can only happen when, when, as you described, we're actually understanding what we have and what, what we don't. 
and putting ROI on it. There's so often, yeah. I remember talking to lots of people back at Taxonomy Bootcamp years ago. And everyone's saying, well, you know, it's kind of hard to put a price on why we put so much time, energy, and resources into a taxonomy or a knowledge graph. And it's like, well, now you can clearly identify if you take this the next step, which is now I can figure out why do you need this taxonomy? Oh, because it's now being used on all this content, all these assets of, of any sort in multimodal. And that then fills the gap in our graph and then our LLM or whatever it might be. But you can now backtrack it all and do that cost-benefit analysis. And this is where KM historically was really hard to apply hard ROI against. Mm -hmm. And I actually think our job is collectively getting a lot easier because it is becoming easier to quantify. It's easier to quantify risk mitigation and risk avoidance. It's easier to quantify decisions that can be made as a result. Frankly, it's easier to quantify and track employee satisfaction retention, customer satisfaction retention as a result of these actions and activities and systems. Lulid, I stepped on your words. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to add, actually, we have a perfect example of a case study for this where within the healthcare space where we're helping this organization build like their content recommendation system and they are a workforce trainer. They have a lot of content that they get internally, externally, multiple repositories, multi-model content, right? Like they have webinars, they have videos, PDFs, you know, training materials. And when we started working with them, we said, okay, this was when GPT was, I think, GPT 2.0, this a couple of years ago, the earlier, the, the first study, POC. Yeah, BART was, I don't even know, 1.0. But anyways, so we started tagging, actually, to your point around, like, you know, automated tagging, but also using taxonomy to get the subject matter experts aligned on the right course or the right content to recommend for their trainees. And as you would imagine, every SME has their own opinion, but they're also limited to their memory, right? So they can think of, you know, for this type of training, we recommend these types of course content, but this SME is limited to their understanding of that. And that SME is understand limited to that. So when we started using, you know, these automated extraction and pulling I think we tagged over, I don't know, 100,000 courses from different uh, content, training content from different sources. A few things happened. One is that we didn't need the SMEs to agree on a specific course content, but we can have this process score and show them even the courses that they didn't even think about, right? So the auto-tagging, auto-classification outperformed some of the subject matter experts. And another instance is it connected the subject matter experts but the most important thing, this goes back to your point, Zach, earlier, is that when it didn't come back with any recommendations and the realization that they don't have content for that training, for that you know knowledge area that they wanted to develop their trainers around. So there's also this opportunity, that kind of relationship between KM and AI, as well as this the semantic layer, in this case, the, the alignment by that was produced by the defining the aboutness of things through the taxonomy. I thought this would be a great real use case of where we've seen this in, in real life. That's a great ad. And by the way, we, we actually have not used the letters A and I a lot in this conversation, but let's be clear about the fact that this is a real foundational element to achieve AI within an organization. A lot of the use cases and a lot of where an organization can take 
the successful merger of these tools is effectively what they would call AI within the organization, right? So you took the conversation there, Luli. Let's, let's hear another story. Joe, Ashley, how are our clients actually, what are they doing with the semantic layer? So, yeah, I mean, there's a way to bring different taxonomies together. That's one thing that we're working on in, you know, like the finance kind of space. Lots of different terminologies out there. Depending on who you are, um, what you're using it for, you will define them differently. So bringing those all together so that you can consistently tag, not content, but behaviors. So something in this vein, you can do like threat detection or cybersecurity or IoT even. If you're looking at your manufacturing plants and you need to figure out how efficient or when something is going to go down, all of those use cases fall into bringing taxonomies together into one cohesive framework, which we're using a knowledge graph for, and then surfacing that so that the tagging of assets, again, whether it's a piece of data or or a behavior or a piece of content can be tagged, that's one way we're we're seeing it right now. And that's a that's a theme, right? Like I, I just said one example, but you could use it for for a few different things. And actually your example painted that picture, right? If you get a semantic layer right, you're not going to use it for one thing. It effectively becomes, again, to use a term on a term, a layer that you can then apply for different applications, different interfaces, different capabilities that could stretch across the organization. Yeah. Like the client that I have in mind here, someone else at this organization got wind and they're like, hey, that'd be great if we're trying to do detection on networks of things. And we're like, yep. <laughs> we can do that. And so that actually, it hits on ROI all over again, right? You build yeah. it right once and every time you apply it for a different capability, you're effectively decreasing the Yeah, I mean, there's the, extensions the you add. Yeah. yeah. Joe, how about you? Any stories to tell? Oh, I've got a lot, but let me pick my favorite. Give me one. Lulit talked about aggregation and Ashley talked about those things or those business entities that people care about. For a very large investment firm, we built a semantic layer that allowed them to tie information together from as many as 20 different systems so they could see a complete picture of all of their deals on one screen in one place, even though that data was all over the organization, both structured and unstructured, by the way. Same thing for the investments. Once that deal became an investment, it became real. And once they'd done that, because they did it in a graph, as Ashley would have told them to, they were able to say, oh, okay, let's look at the people that were on those deals and start to see a view of everything we know about them. And how about the bankers that made this happen that we worked with or the CEOs? So because they used the right tool with metadata, with the right concepts and did the modeling, they could start with two very important entities to them, but quickly spread them to others. And now they have this really centric view of all of the key business entities that they care about across the organization and making people just smarter and giving them the knowledge they need to make good choices. Yeah. So this is also where those who are still thinking enterprise search, you can paint a different picture for them, right? You're not returning links from different sites. You're actually returning data, content, info, knowledge, resources from different sites, merging them together into more cohesive answers. And this has a search in front of it, done with an enterprise search engine. But what's most important about it is 
the results are not documents, like you said. They are the things that they care about with information that comes from just as many as 20 different places. As many as? What if I have 21? Then we'd add to our graph uh, and, and actually do a little more ETL, ideally with a good ETL tool that will get that done. There it is. All right. So let's close with uh, getting a little nuts. Let's think predictively. How are organizations, how have they achieved this? How are they using it? What's this look like in another three years? Luli? What really excites me, and I think just a very few are here from, you know, at least the work that we're doing right now, is getting to a place where you have, you're leveraging the semantic layer, not only to standardize your internal data content, but also shape the industry. What that means is that whole concept of data as a product or knowledge as a service is really getting legs with the semantic layer. And to give you a specific example, those organizations that are able to mature in making their, this creating this aggregation layer and standardizing their metadata using taxonomies, shared vocabularies, especially in the shared industries like financial institution, healthcare. We worked with a, a veterinary product supplier that built their domains to so that they can interact with other vets within their space. And the other vets liked the standardized metadata model. And now they are offering that as a product itself so that the industry can benefit from the standardized metadata. So when you say canine here, it is C-A-N-I-N-E there and not just canine. So, or you can use both terms and mean the system or your applications would know what it means. Similar for the financial space as well. So I'm really excited that in the next few years, I think industries will start maturing and benefiting from exchanging data. We're mm. becoming highly globalized. And I think the semantic layer is a big part of that. And that was the dream of the semantic web from the get-go. So there's actually a competitive advantage in this. If an industry leader can be yeah. the organization that establishes the map, then they will have ownership over something that, that can really help to, to maintain their competitive advantage, right? Exactly. And we're seeing that a lot of organizations are productizing some of this and generating revenue as a result, as a their data as a revenue stream. That's something that I'm seeing a few organizations going after. Ashley? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to hang off of what Uli was saying, because it's, it's the, the LLM space, right, is super hype. It's going to die off a little bit. And the, the real value of things will kind of start to arise as these things do. One of them I do feel is going to be the small language models, the things that are very, very highly specific to domains. And I think that goes into what Louis was just saying. A lot of what LLMs are trained on today is the open web. There's a whole lot of data that is not on the open web and it's highly valuable. It's really high quality in most cases. And I think organizations that are currently improving their data to help with their, you know, LLM journey or not even the LLM side, just getting their data in into a better state so they can kind of see everything across the board to maybe put things in cold storage and, and help with efficiencies and cost savings, because that's another trend outside of just LLMs that this is going into. But I feel like, oh, now we have this great data set and we can maybe sell it to the folks that need, you know, a really highly dedicated training set on 
yellow flowers for like fashion design or some crazy thing like that. I see that as a trend going where there's going to be these unique boutique kind of training sets and knowledge graphs and content that is going to be productized. And I'm all for it. I think that's exciting. Absolutely. I mean, we really, not to get overly effusive about this, but if we can start breaking down these organizational barriers, the amount of intelligence we're going to surface is incredible. But this is life-saving. This is collaboration at a global scale that can solve some of the world's biggest problems. This is truly exciting stuff. With the ethics, throw that in. Absolutely. (laughs) Joe, follow that up. Yeah. Well, you know, I was headed down that path. What I'm looking forward to is today, people still think about their data in the silos where it started, right? And they also think of data as limited to their own four walls as an organization, the theoretical four walls. And and this is where we've all been talking about it. But we got to the point where no one cared about what server things were on. It was just in the cloud, right? I'm really looking forward to, to start to just not get caught up in, oh, that data comes from this system or that data is publicly available. It just is data that you go after and have us have leaders think about it that way and just have that as an expectation. So I don't know, it's not a cloud, maybe it's a, a graph, a giant graph. Knowledge uh, without borders. So yeah. <laughs> I'll add my own. We talked a little bit about identifying the gaps of knowledge within an organization. I want to complete that loop. To me, the, the white whale of knowledge management has always been tacit knowledge capture. A lot of people spend their entire career trying to figure this out with very few really successful programs. Wouldn't it be cool if a semantic layer was mature enough to actually spot gaps in knowledge and then proactively fill them by identifying experts and asking questions in ways that the experts can answer them at the point of need with context. So that's mine. And by the way, I don't think that's three years. I think that's this June. We'll see. Awesome. So Ashley, Joe, Lulit, pleasure as always. Thank you for being my colleagues and for being on this episode of KnowledgeCast. And to our listeners, thank you for joining this episode of KnowledgeCast. To check out more, visit our website at enterprise-knowledge.com, where you will find one of the world's largest open knowledge bases on all things knowledge, information, data, and now semantic layers.